What's going on, folks? It's your boy again, Dr. Sean Thomas here back in the building. I just want to remind you that we are doing a special event for Black History Month. We are doing the BMT for BLM. Be more today for Black Lives Matter. We have joined with the ASALH, the Association for the Study of African American Life and History. In 1915, they are the founders of Black History Month. And for the month of February, we're doing a fundraiser run from February 1st to February 28th. Every single day, you can run a four-mile run with us virtually or in person on February 21st. All the proceeds that are going from your registration, which is going to be $10, will go directly towards the ASALH to continue to help them educate us about our history, about our family, and about our culture. Uh, You can also donate more if you don't want to do the race at all or donate more if you are running the race. But from February 1st until the 28th, We'll be doing this fundraiser run for them, running together virtually or in person in Brooklyn on the 21st. See BeMoreToday.com for more details and sign up today. Thank you so much for joining us for Black History Month, and let's continue to be great. Our ancestors are great. Our history is great. Let's continue to share that with the rest of the world. Peace. First off, I want to say we're kicking off Black History Month, so happy Black History Month to everybody out there. My name is Show Rocker, and I'm doing this for my man, Dr. Thomas, Sean Thomas, down at the Be More Today Project. And um, usually when Black History Month comes around, people will do the, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King speeches. They'll do the, these are the black inventors that did all these different things, and and that's great. But I feel like I want to put my spin on it, do something a little different. So I'm going to do a series, and it's going to be as though you were walking to a museum curated by myself, Show Rocker. And this is basically different black things that I want to touch upon. And it's going to be called the Days Project. So this is the first installment of the Days Project. And it's called Day in the Life of a Black Man. Let's do it. The sun shining, I woke up smiling to go about my day. But this prison called my complexion makes it a different way. I just want to go for a jog. I'm trying to get in shape, but wait, need identification so I don't get detained. The same for all my people with similar skin who feel a burn like a singe from my melanin tint. Can't even wear a black hoodie to go to the gym. We risk fitting the description. The vision is grim, but we just bear it and grin. No time for stage fright, because when it's on, you perform and keep your game tight. Blackmail checklist, charge your phone the same night. Check your ID, your registration, and brake lights. It seems a bit extreme, but it's a way of life. When your skin tinted, you move different or pay the price. You get pulled over, you should know that this some great advice. Grab your phone and press record or call your lawyer and your wife. Shraka. What's going on, folks? It's your boy here back again in the building, Dr. Sean Thomas, for episode 45 of the Be More Today show. We're back, we're back, we're back. Season 2 is here. We're actually in the month of February, Black History Month. So it's a pleasure to be here to uh, highlight some great people who have done great things for us. Uh, we know we have a great history, an amazing history filled with elaborate people who paved the way for us. But uh, this month, I'm going to focus on some people that I know that are paving the way still for us in our present day. Before we get into that, the Be More Today show is uh, continuing to grow. So thank you so much for your support. If you've been listening, following it all in any capacity, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, Be More Today is a company that use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And our whole mission is just to highlight the people who you may not see, the ones that, that may be behind the scenes doing the work. 
uh, but doing great work to make our world a better place. And we're going to continue to do that moving forward. This is episode 45. So the 45th person today is going to blow your mind. Before we get into that, though, just remember you can follow us on Be More Safe for our book, our podcast information, our music. Uh, we are now heard in 30 countries, which is fantastic. And uh, we have a support page as well. So you want to go on there and support us in any way. Donations are appreciated or just people who want to just give love to the show. We appreciate everything you give to us and do for us as well. Uh, our Steps to Greatness Challenge, as you see, has continues to go and is going to be ending very, very soon. We did 40 days of uh, good eating, um, getting your sleep, getting your water, getting your rest in. So it's been really life-changing doing this challenge with everybody. So you've been doing a challenge with us either virtually or if I've seen you and you've let me know, uh, kudos and congrats to you. And for this month of February, we're going to be doing a Black Lives Matter 4K or four-mile run. So it's a fundraiser we're going to be doing. You'll hear much more about it if you haven't heard it already, but it's going to be called the BMT for BLM, Four Mile Fundraiser Run. So it's going to be really exciting. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm hyped for that. My quote for today is very, very simple as always. It's by James N. Watkins, and he said, a river cuts through a rock, not because of its power, because of its persistence. Um, you know, I actually got the COVID vaccine, and I got my second shot, my second dose of it, uh, this month and you know the 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 number of people who gave me mixed <laughs> mixed responses has been uh really interesting you know people are like oh what, what are you doing you know and I, I understand the ramifications of our history when it comes to um being tested um being test dummies for various things uh throughout our lifetime i also believe in science and I believe in the power that we can do um, if we all just did the right thing when it comes to this. So, you know, as a first responder, as a healthcare worker who's been out there seeing hundreds of people every single week, uh, I felt it was my duty to do it. And um, I had no regrets. Uh, I'm confident in science. I'm confident in my sister-in-law who works for uh, a company that worked on the vaccine months ago. And she uh, made me feel even better about taking it and you know, seeing my fellow co-workers who are in the healthcare field taking it and posting their videos and pictures online just gives me more confidence that that we're doing the right thing. And um, yes, there is a fear that anything could happen because you never know what can happen with side effects and, and what have you. And everyone's different, clearly. And you're going to see a lot of things online. They're going to show you a lot of different people responding to this differently. But, uh, you know, I, I, I have faith in science. I believe in science. I believe in our system. I believe that this is going to be something that we are going to have to do to get this thing down. We've tried conventional methods and we've, we've seen that that has not been as successful or as effective as it needs to be. So um, I'm confident in it. And, uh, you know, I, I, of course, convince everyone or, or recommend everyone to consult with their doctors, you know, individually for their situations. But for me, um you know, knowing that I have a five-year-old and, and a wife who are home, the best thing that I can do is protect myself and protect them. So um, I will let you guys know how that goes, and, and we will all see how things push forward. But I do think that the, the quote for me is, is poignant in the sense that persistence is key, whether you be taking the vaccine or just continuing to wear your mask, whatever you're doing to keep healthy, right? If you're, if you're taking your, your vitamins, if you're getting your rest, and if you're getting your exercise, and whatever you're doing to make sure that you stay healthy, 
you got to be persistent. And this thing is not going to go away um, instantaneously. We've seen that. We have to keep pushing forward. Like a river pushes forward. And it's not about the power. It's really about the persistence. So um, keep pushing forward, folks. If you're taking the vaccine or not taking the vaccine, if you're just wearing your mask, I hope everyone's doing that still. But just keep persistent in what we're doing and, and keep hope alive. 2021 is still here. COVID is still here. But we're going to keep pushing forward. And, you know, I hope and pray that we will continue to be persistent and vigilant to get this thing out of our society ASAP. Speaking of persistence, my guest for today is just that. He is a, a young person. I can't even say young anymore because he's, he's old and grown now and doing big things in the world. Uh, his name is Hercules M.L. Reed. And Hercules was a student at New York City College of Technology studying architectural technology, where he graduated and received a baccalaureate degree in the spring of 2017. Mr. Reed was a transfer student into the City University of New York system for the historically Black College, Delaware State. While attending Dell State, he experienced the power of a student's voice while serving as a student government vice president of his freshman class in 2010. In 2014, Hercules Reed was a part of City Tech's first cohort of students inducted into the National Honor Society of Leadership and Success. In 2015, Hercules Reed was elected City Tech's student government president and went on to serve a second term for the 2016-17 academic year. Hercules also served as a CUNY University Student Senate USS delegate in 2015 and 16, where he sat on the events committee planning events such as CUNY's Got Talent. He also played a significant role in fighting for CUNY student tuition freeze and faculty contracts. During the 2016-17 academic year, he was elected to serve as a vice chair for legislative affairs for the USS. While serving as vice chair, he also served as a student representative on the CUNY Board of Trustees Committee on facilities planning and management and was instrumental in a student run, a student's return from Iran after the 2017 Muslim ban. Also, Mr. Reed was co-chair of the USS Legislative and Fiscal Affairs Committee and secretary of the Student Voters Awareness Committee. Hercules has served as the co-chair of the city's Council CUNY Task Force as a student representative and went on to become the legislative director of CUNY's University's Student Senate. Through these opportunities, he took all he learned and experienced as a student leader and ran for the New York City Council to represent District 45 in Brooklyn at the age of 26. Hercules is currently an assistant to the deputy borough president in the office of the Brooklyn Borough President Eric L. Adams. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, pets included, please welcome to the stage my friend, my hug cap homie, uh, and the man who is the advocate for the face of today's youth, Hercules M.L. Reed. Hercules, what's going on, man? <laughs> I feel like they needed a standing ovation after that. It's, it's. I mean, I'm blessed. I'm blessed, brother. Like, even, I, I, it's very rare I hear my own bio, um, but something that you think about when you hear something like that and how, like, expansive it is, how much really more happened that you can't even put into words. Yeah. And, you know, I'm here working for the Brooklyn Borough President, and to even think about, like you said, how I got here, it was nothing but persistence, nothing but persistence, and, and the want to be more. Ah, uh, yeah, no, it's it's real, it's real, brother. So thank you for having me on your show. No problem. I've been I've been watching you from afar. I had to get you on because uh, I love to highlight people who are doing great things, and I feel like you've been doing that. And I, I I've been at events that you've been at, but didn't know you were there. And I <laughs> I see you post certain things. Like, oh, I was there. So um, I just had to connect with you at some point in time and give you kudos for the work you've been doing. And you know, you and I were uh 
kind of from the same area for a minute. You were both in the Hudson Valley uh, doing our uh, Hudson Valley thing as church boys. And um, now we're both in Brooklyn. And um, I'm just, I do a check and see how everybody's doing. So how are you doing? What's going on with you? Happy New Year for one. And, uh, you know, what's your situation currently with COVID-19 and, and your work? Yeah, so um, COVID-19, like for many, definitely rocked my world. Um, you know, last year was actually one of very tumultuous years where a lot happened that was unexpected. I mean, again, for everybody, but I'm speaking about myself, right? So at the top of the year last year, I actually lost my grandfather um, who, you know, lived in Jamaica. And luckily I was able to build a relationship with him. So um, that was positive about it, but I did, you know, lose my grandfather. Um, And then we lost Kobe Bryant. And then we just like, it just went... Uh, April, I lost a friend from high school um, who was my age, you know, 29. And, you know, he he died from some complications. Um, And then in November, my grandmother passed. Um, So while everything else is happening, while COVID is happening, while the Black Lives Matter movement is happening, um, this was the first time that I've experienced death to that extent. And... um, you know, I've heard a lot of stories on what happens to people in those experiences, but now I'm, I've been going through it. So it's like I'm circling around to it being a year since I almost lost my grandfather and it's a whole new year. So it's it's an interesting experience. But outside of that part, you know, um, during COVID, like many, I was on the front line. Um, I was what you call an essential worker and not by title and definition, but by the want to serve and the want to help people out there because, you know, the Brooklyn Ball president said like, COVID is serious, but the people who have issues and had issues before COVID still have issues now. So for us to be working from home, us to not be on the street and helping out the people in need, you know, it, it's kind of um, backwards when it comes to being a public servant. You know, he, he was like, I'm not going to force nobody to be out there, but I'm going to be out there every day and that's what it is. And, you know, I made a a decision to be essential. And that kind of brought me front and forward into every day, just being out there with him, you know, going to the hospitals, going to transit workers, going, going all over the city, NYCHA, you know, giving out masks, advocating for them, making sure the issues were brought to the forefront. Because what we were realizing was in government, they were talking about one thing and what the people was experiencing on the ground was the total different experience. I'm actually going to write a book about it, by the way, throw that out there, Um, because as someone who never really knew much about government and, you know, this is a lot all new for me, you know, on the outside, you hear a lot when you're inside, you see a lot and you hear a lot. So I think for the people who need to know more, I want to write about my experiences um, during specifically COVID-19, the Brooklyn way, Um, Mm. because as you know, Brooklyn was definitely one of the epicenters for a very long time and still has one of the highest death toll rates um, from the COVID experience. So like we, we were there and the issues brought us all over the city, right? We represent Brooklyn, but people in Queens, people in Staten Island, people in the Bronx, people in Manhattan, they didn't care that you represented Brooklyn, they wanted help. And they were reaching out from far and wide to our office to provide masks, um, gloves, sanitizer, because we were blessed to have um, a contact that was able to get masses of masks to us to get out into the community. And since people knew we were actually giving it to the people in need, they kept bringing it to us. 
from the city to the state, like when they started dropping masks into the community, we started at Borough Hall and I was responsible in helping to distribute it to the different local elected officials offices so that they can get it to their local. Man, <laughs> COVID-19, it's like, whoa. Mm. But um, other than that, you know, I'm, I'm excited for this new year and whatever it has in store. Um, I have my own goals. I have my own aspirations. So locking in, brother, just locking in. I see you. I'm, I'm super impressed by all the work you've been doing. Um, I'm very curious. You know, I read your bio. You, you did a number of different things. I know you, you know, you and I come from a, a church organization that was very focused on putting people in roles to serve right? Um, serving their communities, serving their churches, uh, doing leadership in various ways. So it doesn't make any, it's not surprising to me that you were involved in any kind of leadership um, and serving the community. Because I think it was ingrained in all of us. If you were in any kind of church environment at all, that that mission to serve is there, right? And looking at your experiences at Dell State and City Tech, you did a number of things in terms of student activities that help your community. I'm very curious though, what, what sparked the interest? I know you went from ag- and architectural technology to advocacy basically. So what, what happened in your mind or in your experiences that changed that shift for you to go from that to doing more advocacy work? Yeah, man, that's why I appreciate this conversation with you because very often I tell people, <laughs> they don't know me from back in the day when I was just a little scrawny kid running around the track. And honestly, that was all I wanted to do. You know, honestly, I like to dial it back a little bit further than, you know, college because I was a totally different person. I was on a totally different mindset and mind frame and journey, you know, for what it's worth. I was, I wanted to go to the Olympics in 2020. Here we are, 2020. Um, as a kid back then, my goal was, you know, get through college, get through all that stuff, go to the Olympics, track and field, decathlon. And whatever happens after that, that was what was going to happen after that. Everybody has a mission and a goal. That's what I wanted to do. Um, It was during my college experience where um, I went to Delaware State University to run track. Um, That was my purpose. They were a D1 AA school, but good enough for me. Um, At the time, I wasn't on a scholarship and my grades ended up not being good enough to get on the team. So I was like, well, I'm in college. I'm not going to just go to class. What else is there out there? And that's when I found things like men's council. Um, I found things like student government and I said, you know, this is cool. You get to do stuff for people and you get to do stuff and create experiences for yourself while you're here at college and build your network and et cetera, et cetera. And with men's council, it also taught me what it meant to be a mentor. It told me what it meant to be like a black man in the society where you're not just living on earth, but you're here to make a difference and our power and our strength. So like really instilling some of those tools that later on, you know, I started to utilize. Um, fast forward, I couldn't afford Dell State no more. So I went to City Tech, downtown Brooklyn. That's when I transferred to CUNY, CUNY in the house. Um, and I realized like they had no track team. They had just shut down the entire sports program before I got there, which blew my mind. Um, and then it was like no Greek life, no, no real anything. Like it was a commuter school. People went to class and they went home. It was even worse than being on a campus with nothing to do. I was like, well, what do I do? So I started taking leadership stuff opportunities. You know, so you saw the leadership and development course in my bio. Um, in, they had many other stuff that I just 
I had nothing better to do. They and these court these these opportunities took me to the White House. They took me to places that you know they were just taking students. And I was like, free trips, free this, free that. But in those spaces, I was getting tools. I was getting tools. I was learning experiences, and I was starting to learn about student government and how they are the fun. They're the ones that put on the parties and the events. They have the budget. Advocate for students. Like the list was just like, oh, oh. So they had a they had a group on campus I need to go to. I need to be a part of to get involved and be engaged. And then my peers. Um, as an architect student, I had no intention to be involved with politics. Um, but as I studied architecture, I learned that politics and policy affect everybody's career. Didn't matter if you were doing architecture to nursing to you name it. And if the policy isn't right. Nothing else matters. And if the policy is not catered towards you, a black person, a person of color, X, Y, Z, it's not going to it's not going to work out. And in my industry, in architecture and engineering and a lot of these um, design type majors, unfortunately, there's a lot of white people who run the show, you know, and the idea of sitting in somebody's office for many, many years, sitting behind a computer started to get a lot less entertaining for me. And I said, well, how do I change the narrative and make sure that we have more access to the table? We have more advocacy for people like me who are going into the industry. And then I realized like student government, oh, wow. You know, people who go to student government, they're mainly law and paralegal majors. They're mainly political science majors. You know, people who are interested in going into those worlds. And something about me was like, you, you don't have to be in politics to care about you know, your, your, your grades and, you know, your absences and when, at what point it becomes a fail grade, you know, you know, I say you don't have to be a Democrat or a Republican to want clean streets. So I, I, I decided to, you know, run for student government simply because I wanted to represent architect students. And I wanted to them to know that you're, you're another human that has a voice. You know, you're another human that wants representation. I was hearing it all the time. So um, joined the student government, ran for president, which, you know, again, that's its own story, but people encouraged me, you know, along my entire journey, I had mentors, I had friends who said like, you could be more than you're giving yourself an opportunity. I wanted to be vice president. I wanted like every other position than the top position that required a lot of responsibility because I was afraid. I was afraid to fail. Um, but we know from growing up, like we have to dive had face, um, face forward into those experiences because that's what actually provides us with growth. Um, so I, I, I signed up to be president around that same time I had got hit by a car, 2015. Riding my bike, I was an avid cyclist, bike, bike messenger. And, you know, it was a great way to make money while I was in college. Uh, I was riding, person ran a red light, hit me. And, you know, literally that, my life flashed before my eyes moment. Yeah, that happened. And I was injured. And for the first time in my life, I was immobile. I think that's the right word to use. I couldn't move. I was bedridden. You know, my parents at the time lived in New Jersey. They picked me up from Woodhall, slept me up to New Jersey. And the only thing I was thinking about, oh my goodness, I got to run for president in Brooklyn. <laughs> how How is this going to happen? Like, I can't even walk. And, um, you know, so... Over time, the mentality that my mom came into my room, you know, great mothers, she said, listen, I know you're hurting and you can't do both. You can't cry and be emotional and you can't get the work done. So you're either going to focus on your body and your healing 
and, and, and pray that you have another opportunity to run and represent the students, or you find a way to do both and you're not allowing your emotions to get the best of you. And I chose the students. I always say that, you know, I chose the students over myself, even though I did everything at the same time, you know, I started doing physical therapy. I was running my internship. I was, you know, a student government president for the first time. And because of that experience, it made me want it more. It made me more hungry. It made me more committed than the average person. Cause I'm like, I fought to get here and I'm going to make sure that while I'm here, I'm going to actually make a difference. Mm. And that's how everything else happened from, you know, the becoming the vice chair for legislative affairs, you know, helping the student from Iran after Donald Trump's Muslim ban, where as an individual, you say, this is a federal matter. She's in Iran. How am I, a local from Brooklyn, going to make an impact that's meaningful? And in those moments, it was that person in the, in, in, the, in your ear that says, you have a platform, you have experience, put it into action. I did that. And, you know, a week, a week later, right before the ban was lifted, we were able to secure her and bring her back to Boston and drive her to New York. And to this day, I'll say that was one of the most inspiring moments for myself. Because while, a stu- while being, a st- there was many moments, but that was one of the many, because you at times feel powerless as a person. And it doesn't have to be in the world of politics, right? It could be in your own journeys in life. And you realize like only you could do something sometimes. And if, if, if you do nothing, nothing changes. Um, so I went into the space of let me do something and then hope for the best. And we were able to, you know, fight through it and get that result. So my, my time as a student leader, you know, I spent it still studying architecture, which I love. I say architecture gave me a, uh, a lens to the world that nothing happens on accident. You know, down to the light switches on your walls being about four feet from the ground. It's not an accident. You know what I'm saying? The MTA station where you have those bumps by the train and, you know, certain letters on the stairs as you go up the stairs. Like, even the littlest things, somebody sat there and said, put it here, put this amount, and this is why. And they use psychology even to think about how the user experiences. So, you know, it was a great appreciation um, during college that gave me a very well-rounded, you know, I always say it's just about experiential learning. It, college is not just about grades and I'm, I'm happy that I had that experience. Mm. Mm. And what an experience it was. I mean, clearly it was beneficial and, and the journey from where you wanted to go to where you are now, you know, I think we all have to go through that to, to really appreciate what we're doing. Um, you know, you and I share similar uh, histories in the sense that, you know, I ran track clearly. We talked about this back in the day and um, from running church Olympics to whatever else. And, you know, it's, 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 it's a thing that also gives you that sense of drive, you know, sports yeah. and that, that whole competitive nature can really push you to be your best, you know, physically, but it, it carries over to other things. And that clearly carry over to you to all the things that you've been doing. And the fact that you are now um, working for the district, District 45 in Brooklyn. Um, and you talked about some of those things about what you've been doing with COVID-19. Um, what does your everyday job or life entail working for uh, the office of the borough president? Yeah. So kind of to bring people to the missing part of the storyline. After college, um, I actually wanted to go back to running track. 
I had every intention. I said, you know what? I graduated, even though I had this accident where my knees got blown out pretty much. I'm going to still shoot my shot. And in 2018, um, I was going to go back upstate to Fallsburg High School where I graduated and become a coach and train. I went up there for the interview. They accepted me and everything. And, you know, God works in mysterious ways. I say that all the time because that's my that's my reality. Every time I had a plan, every time I thought I knew, he said, no, come come back this way. And it's funny you mentioned like childhood because I grew up and I was like, okay, I, I grew up in the church. And I love God. And I know that we were here on this earth to serve. What does my service look like? And I, I always said, I'm not going to be a pastor. I, I don't even, I didn't, even as a kid, I didn't even have public speaking abilities. Like that actually developed over time. But I was like, I, I, everybody's not meant to be a pastor. So what are those other ways that we could be of service? And throughout my whole life, I was trying to figure that out until I got to the space I'm in now. And I said, got you. But I got a phone call right after I got approved to be a coach at the team. Was going to shift my entire life from the city to upstate for mental purposes and all that. Got a call and say, yo, we got a job at University Student Senate. Legislative director, you just came off an amazing uh, couple years as a student leader. We don't know anybody better. Like they literally told me that. And I'm like, wait, what? You don't have anybody better? That can't be. <laughs> and, and, you know, long story short, I ended up taking a job because there was some things that I wanted to finish. And I felt that if God wanted me to be in the Olympics, it could still work. And if he didn't, I would know. So I took the job, became a legislative director for the University Student Senate. I did that for about a year and some change. And then um, a seat opened up in the 45th City Council District, which is where I live. And that's when I ran for special uh, special election, did my thing there. And it was that experience that landed me the job that I have now. So if I didn't jump off that cliff to quit my job, to run for city council, I wouldn't be where I'm at at Borough Hall. Like, got to make sure I put those pieces into this equation. So now I'm at Borough Hall, where I went from wanting to just represent East Flatbush, Flatbush, Midwood, Canarsie area, Flatlands, to now I'm representing the entire borough of Brooklyn. You know, working for the Brooklyn Borough President took my my vision and expanded it to a larger scale. Um, God did. I would say it wasn't me, you know, because I didn't want that. That wasn't what I was looking for. He put that into my life um, and said, here it is. What are you going to do with it? So where I went from trying to be on the community board for community board 17, I had gotten denied. I'm now currently the Brooklyn Borough president's liaison for community board 17 <laughs> also you know and, and, and it's like i even applied to work at borough hall as a student and after college and i didn't get the job mm. but they called me i'm in this is after city council race is over i'm miserable uh, i'm emotional you know i'm coming down from the high uh, I'm, I'm going through all of these things and I'm like, well, what, what next? I quit my job. I, I went on this journey and now I didn't get it. So what now? And I said, let me travel. Let me clear my head. I went to Hawaii. I went to Jamaica. This was like really into it. And I was in, it was in Jamaica. I got a phone call from Brooklyn Borough Hall. Um, somebody who I met and it was like, you still looking for a job? Like, yeah. How did you know? <laughs> um, and it was like, well, we have a position with the deputy borough president. 
but are you interested? When could you come in for an interview? I was like, that's it. Uh, I'll be back from Jamaica in about a week. Can we make it that Monday? I'll be there. It was like, yeah, sure, no problem. Come in. I went in and, you know, fast forward to here we are now where COVID, right? I only was been working there since 2019, right? 2019 was the last two years ago now. A year later, COVID came. I'm an assistant to the deputy board president. And because I chose to become an essential worker, where I used to drive the deputy around to her events and her meetings and make sure she was good and assist her, I leveled up. And now I'm working with the Brooklyn, like directly with the Brooklyn Borough president, driving him around, getting him to his meetings and his events, assisting him where he needs me, where prior to COVID, I would have to set up a meeting just to see him. Hmm. And now he's running for mayor. So I get the full scope of experience. You know, I call it my master's degree at this point. <laughs> um, because even in all of this, I try to go back to school for a master's in urban planning. I said, how can I connect my advocacy and governmental experience with my love for architecture? Um, and I applied to Hunter College during COVID. And for whatever reason, they said, you know, the cohort's too small. We got too many applicants. Not you. And I was like, what? Not me. And because I was so plugged into CUNY, I, I said to myself, like, I could pull a couple strings and get into that program. But I said, you know what? As a believer, something's saying to me, not right now, not, not never, not even, not that you can't get into Hunter, but pump breaks. Let's, let's wait and see what happens. And, um, you know, I, I was able to be where I'm at, commit the way that I am committed to what I'm doing. And, you know, I'm just, I'm going for a ride right now. Um, I have my own goals. I think I might be jumping ahead, but, you know, right now I'm just building. Hey man, that that's fantastic. I I think the uh, the takeaway I have from that is that, yeah, you said pump the brakes, and sometimes you got to do that, especially if you you know believe in a higher calling or, or or what have you, and you know that you've seen the progression of your life to this point, and it's worked out the way it has for a certain reason. To to force anything else that's not in that same path, you know, would be ridiculous. So. Um, I'm very impressed by you from everything from the, the book that you're going to write, you know, or that you're going to think about doing to your progression through this system. And, and you walk up, like you said, uh, you would have had to apply or make a, an appointment <laughs> to see that person, you know, originally. And now you have complete access. It's the access, I think, that really blows my mind. It's all really due to all the, the hard work you've been doing. And it's, it's infectious to me to see uh, young people taking, uh, a stand and not just saying what they want to do, but actually doing it. Mm. Right. You, you come off to me as someone who has always been someone who uh, was confident in, in, in their abilities, but it's one thing to really take those abilities and put them out there for the rest of the world to see. And I think that you've definitely done that in a way that not just, um, you know, South Brooklyn, where I, you know, I, I work in South Brooklyn, I work in Georgetown, which is not too far from the Marine park flatlands area. Um, but now you're talking about Brooklyn as a whole. And, uh, you know, the sky's the limit for you right now, which is, which is really, really exciting. Um, I'm curious, uh, as this is Black History Month, and as you know, because you've been out there, the Black Lives Matter movement has been um, integral and in, in really uh, giving people a voice during this time. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious for you as someone who's in the city and you see, 
you know, the marches and you've been in some of them clearly as, as an advocate and as a vocal leader. Um, do you think that the, the movement has helped or hurt uh, Brooklyn and the, and the communities that are in Brooklyn and around Brooklyn? It's a good question. Um, it's hard for me to say that it hurt us um, because it has and is continuing to push a larger narrative across our nation across the world, you know. I've been marching and protesting since at least 2015 here in New York and in the city. Um, and even back in 2015, there were Black Lives Matter marches. There was a Black Lives Matter movement, especially when Eric Gardner um, was killed, you know, strangled at that. Um, and what I'll say was different this time than any time before was one, the length we, you know, we literally almost marched for about six to seven, eight months throughout the year. Um, it's been a while since something that extensive has happened. Um, and while people were like kind of annoyed, it was still happening in certain areas or frustrated. There were people who never marched in their life, who never stood for anything, who never voted, who never knew who this local city elected was, their city council member, their uh, assembly member, never knew what role the police played in, in different scenarios, who maybe never even had friends here in New York City. And uh, being on the ground, you, you realize that one, it was a space that people made new connections with meaningful people or meaningful you know, people that they connected with. Um, you had people learn what it means to stand up and use their voice that never had before. We have a new generation of people energized where without this movement, they may not have even voted during this presidential election or the upcoming city election, where now in 2021, we may have for the first time a large youth population of people who vote than what we've experienced in the past. There's certain guarantees that the older generation will come out to vote that are civically engaged, et cetera, et cetera. If I think this movement did anything, um, it inspired the next generation of youth leaders um, because it's crazy. Like you said, I'm 28 years old. I'm, I feel young, you know, in, in the world, you know, but there are kids that are now marching there 15, 16, 17, you know, even as young as 13 and below looking at people like me saying, step out the way, old man. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, at first I took it offensively. But then I realized, like, it's not a bad thing. It's never a bad thing when young people know the importance of being involved, being a leader, and they just got to learn. I, I'm, I'm on their team, <laughs> which mm. they do eventually. Um, but through the movement, a lot of groups were formed. And those groups, some of them, you know, again, built families and relationships. Now, I'm not going to say there was no negative spaces that were crossed throughout this movement from you know, the whole misunderstanding between the whole defund the police movement to, you know, the looters and the rioters who were burning down buildings and police cars to the violence the police themselves put out onto the people. Um, definitely built a lot of concern for people, but I think that there was more good done than bad. Um, even when you look at the fact that in New York City, in New York State, actual legislation was passed that for some of them, they couldn't been they weren't being passed for years. There was no urgency, there was no agenda. Um, so you know, simple things I say simple, but there was real movement that happened, and I think it's going to continue into this new year. Mm. Think of the difference between an iPhone video and a Sundance film. 
camera audio versus a studio track, a novice or someone with experience. Sure, each has their place, but which will have maximum impact? Summer Shower Productions, a black-owned, woman-owned production company built to create valuable and inspirational content for you. Whether it's a promotional video, a short film, interviews, event photography, or utilizing our extensive editing and post-production tools to take your already captured content to the next level. We always bring creativity, integrity, and passion to every project we produce. So, consider Summer Shower Productions for your next project. Let's build something great together. Folks, if you're just joining us, episode 45 of the Be More Today show, I'm here with Hercules M.L. Reed, uh, district, he represents District 45 with the borough president for Brooklyn. He is an advocate, community leader, uh, a young person who is out here doing it and not just saying it, but actually on the front lines, uh, helping his community every single day. And the first guest we have for Black History Month for February. Uh, Hercules, a couple more questions for you. I know you've already done so much. I know you say that the young people who are under you say you're old um i'm probably think you probably think that i'm old but um you know i I really feel like you know we're all young in in the bigger scope of this world um you know i see patients who are in their 70s 80s 90s always tell me oh yeah young buck (laughs) just getting started and i'm like you know what i guess i am just getting started because you know life is long Mm -hmm. and um the fact that you've done so much in such a short period of time really speaks volumes to your dedication and your craft and, and your persistence and, and your diligence just to be better, right? But I'm curious, sir, um, the next 10 years of so this new decade that we're in now and this new year, where do you see yourself? What do you see yourself doing in the next 10 years? Yeah, sure. So I, I, I've only mapped out the next two. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if I was to say in 10 no, I can't even, because the way so much happens for me in a year, it, it's it's insane. Um, but I definitely have the next two year mapped out, so I'll share that with you. Um, for me, I didn't go on this journey just to quit. I don't think that I I I would put into these positions just to quit and to not keep finding how I can do more, be more. And um, I ran for city council uh, a year ago because I felt like I needed to be at the table writing legislation, not Mm. being an elected official and just showing up and doing all the other stuff. Like, no, I want to write laws. I want to write legislation and policy that can address systematic problems that have existed throughout my lifetime and beyond. Right. I feel that for too long, people have been uh, making excuses and I want to go in there and not make excuses. I want to fight. And I want to fight and I want to fight and I want to get results on legislation because that's what fixes and changes really how we live and what we experience. Everything else is for show. You know, the press conferences, the photo ops, the community drive, that's all part of the process. But nothing changes without the legislation. So um, as I mentioned, my boss is currently running for mayor. His name is Eric Adams. Make sure you guys check him out. He's a great guy. When I when we talk about youth and people giving them a platform, I would not be where I'm at without him. And I knew him before I worked for him. And even back then, when I talk about the student that um, I was able to assist from Iran to back to Brooklyn, he helped me. 
when I was a student. He gave me his platform as a young person and said, I'll let you hold a press conference. I'll bring the media with my platform and you just do what you got to do. Mm. And now I'm working for him, you know, mm. go figure. But anyhow, so 2021, you know, it's the city races. You got mayor, you got comptroller, city council. Um, I only ran for city council because it was an open seat. It was an opportunity that came before me. And as we see, it was really just a stepping stone. Um, so now that I stepped there, my next step is 2022. Uh, you're actually the first person that I'm on air saying this to publicly because, listen, if we're, we're shy and we're, we're not, you know, really moving towards a goal in life, then we're losing time and we're losing opportunities. And I want to run for the state legislature, um, New York State Assembly. Uh, it's a house of two that you can write legislature write policy and because that's what I want to do I have to go there it's not oh I wanted to take somebody out and they're not doing it has nothing to do with all those little usual issues right my current assembly member he's from Jamaica he's I look at myself as a younger version of him so as far as I'm concerned it's time and for too long older adults have said where are these youth they need to step up they need to be in these positions of power well guess what here I am knocking at the door mm. so either people are going to let me in or i'm going to b- break the door down because you're not going to tell me i need to step up and then tell me stay to the back stand to the side or go somewhere else i'm not no because again i know that in my life i'm also inspiring the people behind me and around me so if i allow that to happen if i allow them to talk me down and allow me to discourage me from doing what needs to be done not what I want to do. And, you know, I'm going to remind people that this whole way through. This is not what I want to do. This is something that the journey is here for me. And I'm just a willing servant waking up every day saying, how can I be productive? How can I be, you know, how can I help somebody? How can I inspire somebody? That's, I, that's, that's what I want to do. When you ask what this hurricane is, I want to inspire at least one person today. Mm. Outside of that, if I get more in my net, it's a good day. Mm. You know, and, and even by writing legislation, you get to inspire people by live, being to live new lives, having freedom and access to things that they never had before, never knew was even possible. You know, so, you know, in the next two years, um, next year, I'm focusing, like I said, on the city races because they are important, you know, and then when that's all said and done, uh, don't be surprised that you're going to see and hear about me being interested in taking on the next challenge, which is, and, mm-hmm. it, and it's not easy, bro. I, I, I mean, I'm scared. I'm fearful. I'm nervous. And I know it's not going to be easy. And I was going to take even more than what I've been giving. You know what I'm saying? More than what it took to run for city council. But I believe in God. And, you know, that honestly has continued to be my strong hold and moving forward and not being fearful, you know, mm. when I, when, it, when, it, when it comes up at least, cause we can't avoid the fear part, you know, it, it's just human nature. So um, just more grinding, more inspiring and more bringing people with me. Right. Cause in this journey, that's been my motivation as well to not go alone, to bring people with me. I mean, even when I ran for city council, people were on my team that never voted before, never participated in an in, in election, in a campaign, you know, my friends, my peers, people my age. And now because of those simple experiences, they care. They're more involved. 
They want to be involved. They want to. When's the next thing happening? When when team hurt? When's team hurt kicking back into action? You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> that's where I'm at. And after those two years, um, whether I become, I will become a state legislator, um, and that will then dictate. I think the next couple years after that, because um, it, it's one of those things that's going to take more than a couple years mm-hmm. um, actually to fight for what what needs to happen. Um, so, wow. Wow, we're very excited about that. That's a, definitely a plan that will be in place. And like you said, everyone has fear. Uh, I think it's a natural response for us to be afraid, but to push through that and like the quote said, to be persistent, that's that's what you're doing and that's where you're going. So kudos to you for that, I'm, sir. If I may add in, you know, I also think about my ancestors. Hmm. My great-grandfather, who's still alive, God bless his soul, and he's right there in the Bronx. My, I call him my ancestor because without, even though he's not gone off this earth, but without him, I wouldn't be here. You know, whether they're alive or dead, those people existed. And because of them, you know, the generations continue. My great grandfather was around during the civil rights era, marched with Martin Luther King Jr. And was a part of the civil rights era, you know, because he knew then he needed to secure the future for his grandson that he didn't even know was gonna exist for me. Like the privileges and the access, what, what little it is or whatever, he fought for that. And it's like, I also feel obligated or, you know, not obligated, but I also feel like it's a part of my mission and journey in life to continue that fight for generations that are coming behind me that I don't even know exist yet. Mm. So, mm. Yeah, no, that's powerful. Um, I think a lot of us need to remember that, you know, everything that we do have, whether it is big or small uh, access wise, it, it is a gift. And we were not here 30 years ago, 50 years ago. You know what I mean? It seems like it was just a long time ago. It wasn't that long ago. Um, so to appreciate these, these experiences and these opportunities, we all should definitely be doing that. Um, and that's why I want to have you on the show. Cause I feel like you sir really embody what Be More Today really is and what it stands for, even the phrase by itself. And I've asked everybody on the show what they think Be More Today means to them because it's different for everybody. So Hercules Emil Reed, number 45. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think the phrase Be More Today means to you? <laughs> you know, it's interesting before I get there. When I think of 45, I think about Donald Trump. And I'm sitting here like every time you say it, 45, 45, I'm like, nah. But I get it. It's a joke. Ha, ha, ha. Side note. Um, be more today means to me that even what I thought I was heading towards that is a challenge, I could do more. Even in those spaces that I feel I'm stretching, I could stretch some more. And even when you feel like you've stretched, you can still keep stretching. That's what that means to me, because often we think, okay. This is, oh my goodness, I don't even know how I'm going to get through this. And after that, I'm done, you know. But be more to me means getting to that point where you finish that accomplishment and saying, like, there is more. And I'm, I'm willing to continue to be uncomfortable. Mm. Being uncomfortable, I always say, yields growth. And be more means you're willing to go down uncomfortable journeys to get to that part where you can look back. Cause it's all about looking back and saying like, wow, all right, I'm going somewhere. I'm doing something, waking up every day with purpose. Mm. 
I hear that. What's one thing you want to start doing this year or have already started to do for 2021? Uh, definitely working out again, man, because my, my job, naturally, I'm in the car a lot every day. And then when I'm done running around the city with someone who's still running around when I'm done, <laughs> I realize like what keeps him going is his diet and exercise. You know, he's big on the whole vegan lifestyle, um, huge advocate for that. And while I may not necessarily get to the vegan part, I understand that diet plays a huge role in energy and a lot of things. And then, of course, the part of working out, I've been spending a lot of time sitting down and I'm used to being active. So um, for me, it's really just getting back out there running again. You know, I would say I want to breathe again. Like I want to breathe like I was back in, in Kingston on, on a track during, you know, conferences where you know, the world was mine and I just felt good. And, you know, I kind of want to, you know, I know when you age, things do change, but I, I know that a lot of it's just slack. So I want to get more intentional about that and my finances, you know, as I continue to get older, I want to make sure that I build the foundation that I need to have one day a, an amazing family and being able to provide for them. So that those are some of my goals is just continue building my foundation for my future. Mm, mm. Very impressed by you, Hercules. You've you've oh, come okay. Sorry. Most important, building my relationship with God, my spiritual job, my spiritual journey. Um, I will say that in this process, you 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 it's easy to lose your way in a space of connection. Um, and losing my grandmother in November, it really rocked my world because she was somewhat of spiritual rock guidance for me that I relied on. <laughs> um and when she left, uh, an awakening that you got to do this for yourself, mm. really do this for yourself, make this relationship. So, you know, more connection, more praying, more more intention to just be more connected to God. Yeah. Yeah, that's deep. And um, all the things you said, including the final one, are all going to be the things I think that if we all did a little more of that, right, if we all were a little more cognitive of our health and making sure that work doesn't take over our bodies, that we keep our spiritual connection there. Um, we're going to see changes. We're going to see progress. We're going to see growth. It's, it's inevitable. It's, it's been since the beginning of time, they've been doing that. And like even said, our ancestors have laid down that foundation for us to stay grounded in those things. And uh, sometimes we stray away from those things, but I think if we always get back to it, we'll be better this year than we were ever before. So any final tips you want to share with aspiring young people like you uh, in advocacy work, uh, people who want to follow your footsteps into the community work that you're doing, or uh, any tips you want to share about just uh, what you're trying to do for next year or for this year? Sure. Um, my tip is right now, wherever you are, wherever life has brought you, you may feel inadequate. You may feel not enough. You may feel like certain things aren't meant for you. Certain lifestyles aren't yours to live. But I want to encourage you to say to yourself that you're your biggest limitation. Your mind is your biggest limitation. And if you can conquer that part, which is not that difficult, the rest will become so much easier. You know, and I always relate my own story back to that where when I was growing up and I was going to church and they had Youth Sabbath. And I remember in my heart, I had a, my message. In my mind, I had a message. I got on stage and nothing came out because of my nerves, because of my fear, because I thought it wasn't for me. That space was not mine to obtain. It was for others. 
fast forward to 2017 when I graduated, I stood on one of the biggest stages that I could have in my life, the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, on a stage, live streaming to tens and thousands of people and tens of thousands of people being right there in that auditorium. Back when I was a little boy, I didn't see that as possible. But it was a commitment to being, it's funny, you're gonna have me saying be more <laughs> all the time now. Um, but it was my commitment to saying like, I want to be prepared that if I have to speak in public, I'll be prepared. So tackle those things that feel the most uncomfortable. I, I cannot stress it enough. My realest, biggest line is, the moment you feel complacency seeping in is when you should challenge yourself even more to be uncomfortable because the natural result will be growth. So when you feel that itch of, oh, this is not, this is not comfortable. That's where you need to be sometimes. Mm. I love it. Hercules ML Reed. Thank you so much for joining us today. You have uh, made episode 45, which is funny. 45, like you said, <laughs> one for the books. And, um, I got to bring you back on at some point in time when you talk more about your growth, see what's going on with you with the future, with the book that I'm looking forward to you doing. Um, You know, I wrote a book, so anybody can write a book. And you you put that thing out there, you become an author for life. And it becomes (laughs) a legacy thing that I think is somewhere you're already heading. So um, I wish you the best with that. And I hope to see you in person at some point in time in Brooklyn as well. So uh, we'll see how that that goes. Yeah, man, I've definitely been following your journey as well since pretty much Kingston and you know you've been I've been following you as well and saying like that's somebody that I know is so committed to the journey that they're on and inspiring others in the space of health and wealth and exercise and and and, and, you know seeing you even in the space of education oof as a black man a black man knowing there's another one of us out there with degrees and it's it's a it's an inspiration you know what I'm saying? Um, and I, I, I've always looked for black men specifically that I could look to um, and say, like, not I want to be like him, but I want to be as committed to my journey as this individual. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for creating this space for me and others. And, um, you know, God bless and continue up the great work, man. We will definitely link up sometime soon because this is this, like I said, we're this is just the beginning, you know, yeah. we're still scratching surfaces. So yeah, I appreciate that very much. We're in, I appreciate that very, very much. Um, and folks, don't forget our quotation from today written by uh, James Watkins, a river cuts through a rock, not because of its power, but because of its persistence. You heard Hercules talking about his journey, persistently <laughs> talking about his journey, what he's gone through to be where he is. And he's not done. Um, he's got that power to go through and to break through everything he's uh, had ahead of him. So I hope you keep pushing forward. And like he said to you, just keep pushing forward. If you want that growth, you're going to need to have some trials and tribulations in your, in your journey. So do not sway from them. Do not try to run around them. Run right through them. The same way that river goes through that rock, run right through that thing. And you will see growth on the other side. Thank you guys so much for joining us for episode 45 of the Be More Today's show. Uh, as always, you can subscribe to our show on all major platforms. We're heard in 30 countries now, like I said before. So uh, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And if you want to send us any messages, either on social media or by email, email is be more letter two day at gmail.com. Um, and Hercules, last thing, how can people get in contact with you if they want to uh, check you out or follow you or support your movement? 
Uh, I, I've made it very easy to find me. I always say you could actually Google me, um, Hercules E. Reed. Um, but on social media, it's Hercules, H-E-R-C-U-L-E-S underscore Reed, R-E-I-D. So first name, last name will bring you to my LinkedIn, my YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. All very, right. very easy to find me. Cool, cool. And that's it, folks. Episode 45 in the books. Follow Hercules Reed. He's a young man doing great things in the community and continue to follow us every single Monday for the Be More Today show. And as I always say, have a good day. Have a good night. Have a great life. And continue to take your steps to greatness to be the best version of you. Peace.